Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Natalie and Aaron met on CatholicSingles.com after they realized that they needed to find someone who shared their faith. Meet other faithful Catholics on the original Catholic dating site. Download our app today for free. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app/breadbox. Welcome to Liturgy Live. My name is Alana Berg, and with me, even though you might not recognize him, is Father Ian Van Heusen, and we're going to be talking about the fifth Sunday in Lent. How are you doing, Father? You might have to explain. Doing well. So I shaved the beard, and my glasses are broke today. I'm going to have to get new glasses today. Uh, What happened is, so I could wear a mask, like uh, if I need to visit somebody in the hospital, you can't get suction if you have the beard. So you have to you have to get rid of the beard so you can get that protection mask on. So um, so I shaved the beard. Very embarrassed. I definitely look chubbier than when before I had the beard. I've gained a little weight these past four years. But anyways, you know one of the things we me and Alana we were kind of prepping and brainstorming like what would we say today? And I think one of the concerns now a lot of people have, and something to consider is that um, the fear of getting the coronavirus and the fear of death, but the fear of getting the coronavirus or giving the coronavirus, we have to be careful that the cure doesn't become worse than a disease. And and on an individual level, now I'm not saying we break the law, I'm not saying we buck the system, but we really have to watch that the cure doesn't become worse than the disease. That was a great phrase that a doctor said to me. And uh, because I think right now is, is, so we're we're in week two now of this too? Depends Um, on where you are. Depends on where you but, are. Yeah. We're starting week. We're starting week two. It's like day eight or something for like day light, light restrictions. No school, no math. Yeah. So, um, well, and that, yeah, those are pretty big. So we were looking at maybe more time. I think they've said school is closed through May or it will be online through May. And so I think the big thing for folks is we, we got to start developing strategies of how to develop a healthy life a balanced life. I think there's really two groups of people. So there's going to be most people, most of us, which we want to try to live a balanced life. And we want to try to um, have a sense of normalcy within our family. And, uh, and especially that's important with kids. 
sense of routine, a sense of regimen. Now for other people um, who may be like medical professionals or for um, people who are gonna be working around the clock and working longer hours, I think I've talked about this before is this idea of being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think for all of us, I think this saying applies. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable, be okay with not being okay. And, and really, I think we'll get into today is we have to keep our eyes on the fact that the worst thing is damnation. The worst thing is not death. The worst thing is to lose our soul. And so we want to, what we want to do is we want to build up people around us and, and be aware that the spiritual needs are incredibly important. Um, so we'll keep talking. I'm sure we'll come up with lots of other stuff as we talk through. Do you have anything to add at this point, Alana? Nope, that sounds good. And since we have a long, lot of readings today, I'd like to, to jump in so we can really dive into the scripture and, and how do we uh, work through the scripture in, in, through this Lent, still Lent, um, you know, to recognize what, we, what, what God is trying to tell us in this time. So are you ready? Ready for the first Absolutely. reading? Go ahead. All right. From the book of Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God, O my people, I will open your graves and I will have you rise from them and bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am your they, that I am the Lord when I open your graves and have you rise from them. O my people, I will put my spirit in you that you may live and I will settle you upon your land. Thus you shall know that I am the Lord. I have promised, and I will do it, says the Lord. So this reading is from the very end of the vision of dry bones from the prophet Ezekiel, um, which is which is really important for us to know because it is really about Christ giving us, uh, God giving us new life from the, from, from the breath, and how that you know relates to is fulfilled in Christ, but us for also us for us to know that he is the Lord. And I really think that in, in this time right now, that that is really important for us to really focus on is throughout salvation history. It's always like, know that I am your God. Remember that and know that I'm your God. And, and just the constant reminder of, of the Lord saying this to us. Yeah, absolutely. So. What, what do you think right now are people's fears? And then why don't we, how this reading can speak to that? What do you think are the fears? So there's the financial fears. There's the financial fears. There is the fear of getting sick for a lot of people. There's the fear of getting other people sick. Yeah. Um, and there is a lot of people who are, at least around me, are fearing the loss of liberties, of, of their um, constitutional freedoms. Um, mm-hmm. There's a bunch of... there. So there's, a, there's it's twofold. There's people who are afraid... Mm-hmm. who are begging for them to be taken away because of a fear. And then those who don't want them to are fighting it because they don't want the be, them to be taken away because they are mm-hmm. afraid they, they won't get it back. So there's a lot of fear. Going on. Yeah. Um, Even so. regardless of what your position is. I think it's a big hoax, which I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. It will be interesting when all said done, but, um, yeah, so I mean, I think the big thing is teleology of St. Thomas Aquinas is incredibly helpful right now, which is you understand your immediate in relation to your ultimate goal. 
So our ultimate goal is salvation and the hope of the resurrection. So backtrack. The, the, so the first fear, the fear of financial ruin. Is the fear of financial ruin right now taking you away from trusting in God and God's mercy? And, and, I, and I'm, I'm realizing one of the things that we were talking about, I think with all this, I was talking about this with our, um, our head of faith formation for the diocese because he's giving marching orders and we're, we're brainstorming every day. And one of the ideas I'm thinking of talking about in Wednesday's homily or in Sunday's homily, I might save it for Sunday, is looking at monasticism as a kind of model for how to exist right now. So monasticism is an interesting quality. People think of it as incredibly peaceful, which kind of, kind of true, kind of not actually. And with the monastic vocation, it's kind of actually that you're consistently stretching yourself and resting in a very organized manner. So, so monastics actually don't try to maximize comfort. What they try to do is they try to push themselves with fasting and with like vigils. So maybe even now it might be a good time to periodically fast. And then, which is paradoxical because right now in our culture, we think comfort yourself, comfort yourself, comfort yourself. If you're afraid, comfort yourself. That's the theme of the culture. And sometimes, unfortunately, that gets influenced into Catholic works. But with the monastic, I'm actually thinking right now of calling this, this, this order of like cloister nuns who are like Carthusians and talking to them about this, because I think they have a lot of insight. But then what they do is they kind of, they push themselves every time, except when they're in prayer. So they get up early, they do a holy hour, then they push themselves in work, but it's like a gentle pushing. Just gently pushing, gently pushing. It's not frenetic, right? It's a gentle pushing. Then they, they take a nap, then they get up and they gently push themselves, push themselves. Re- trying, and there's even stuff in the literature of monastics about restricting your sleep and things like that, which depending on the person, take that with a grain of salt. But I think that's the way to conquer these fears is you take them into your holy hour, but then you fight against them outside of that. So like... Like you need to, for maybe everybody needs a plan with their families. Like, honey, right now you have the kids for the next hour. I'm going to sit by myself. And that's when you address your fears. And the rest of your day, you say, I'm not going to think about this again until my next downtime mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or something like that. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking that that might be the psychology of this. I, I agree. And I think that it's important for us to actually schedule that out so that we're not trying to deal with our families or trying to work with the underlying dealing with fear. It's like you actually deal with it and you pause and then you actually do deal with your real life and, and like what's happening in reality around you. And then you pause and then you deal with what, like you look at what you're afraid of. You have to look at it. You have to say, what is the real problem and what am I dealing with right now? What is the reality that I'm really faced with? And if we don't look at it, if we don't deal with it, it's going to, it's so toxic in terms of our mental state and our emotional and uh, spiritual state that, that it'll really last longer than the situation. We really need to make sure that we're not creating toxic situations for the future too. You know what I mean? Creating something that'll last longer than, than the pandemic. And, and, And maybe think of it as a challenge that if you teach your kids how to handle this well, that like this is going to be an incredibly 
good opportunity for them moving forward. So like right now, our kids are going to be more resilient if we handle this well and teach them how to handle it well. Yes, correct. Yeah. And, um, and letting them know how we're dealing with it. So not just going and hiding yeah. and dealing with it. Just be like, this is what I'm doing. And then maybe we all need to take a break and like think about what's happening. And then we can talk about, you know, like having that relationship with your children where the communication is real. You know, it's not, you don't have to sugarcoat everything. You can, you can talk to them at a level of their understanding, you know, and that takes discernment of each child and what, where you are and how things are where you are, you know? So. I almost kind of want to ask my mom, she's sitting over there like Panama. (laughs) You keep talking, mom. What do we do in Panama? <laughs> yeah, I am. Well, during the invasion, what do we do? Like a lot of the same stuff, a lot of homeschool families. Homeschool families yeah. too. You went outside, which is funny. We went outside during an invasion, right? <laughs> we didn't go far, but we went out hiking. Yeah. So, so maybe that's a, a good thing, putting all the technology aside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, mean I, I still, I mean, Mom, I'm telling everybody, like, I had a blast during Panama. I thought it was the funnest thing in the world. To this day, it, it makes me feel good when I think about that time. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, and you knew, you knew, but it didn't, the fear didn't process like other people would have. Yeah. Because they made it as normal as possible. Yeah, exactly. They made it as normal as possible. And you were kind of like, you're like, oh, we're going to get the bad guys. Let's have some fun. Shoot, shoot, bang. Yeah, we weren't as bad off. Yeah. Um, well, my mom, well, what was it? The, the quote you had for the newspaper, which was, um, the only thing I'm afraid of right now is leaving my husband here in, in Panama. I'm afraid that you're going to send me back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I got I to gotta find that article. I got to find that article. Yeah. But, um, but I think the good thing, I have had the same intuition as you have about the living a rule um, yeah. um, and, and getting some, trying to get somebody to come and talk about that, how important it is to, to really schedule your life out and have an expectation and how healthy, it, healthy that is um, for us and how we can... Um, Use, use the genius of the church and the church fathers and apply them today. And this is the perfect moment to say, look, we need this. This is important. And since now the church is waking up a little bit and, and moving a little bit faster than we have been, then now we can apply this and say, look, this is important. This is why it's important. And then, you know, move it forward through there. Absolutely. Through the Absolutely. spirit. Absolutely. So. Let's get in the next reading. Oh, there's comments too, probably, right? Uh, Ryan Fisher. You're going to have to explain again. He says, didn't Father Ian used to have a beard? Or am I going crazy? Oh, yeah. We talked about that. We we missed the intro. I shaved it so I could wear like a mask. So He's preparing to be able to give sacraments. Yeah. So And and I didn't want to tell that to people on Sunday. I didn't want to freaking out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, everybody's asking me. But it's good. But it's good to be prepared to be able to give the sacraments. Um, and he says, yay, Jen is here. Pe- peanut gallery back in effect. <laughs> and so, Hey, everybody who's joining us. Thank you. If you're, you're new. 
Um, let us know if you have any prayer requests or if you have anything to add to the scripture comments or anything like that. I have Angela Safiero or Cafario. Um, hope you are all in safe and well. Love the new look, Father Ian. So there you go. Got some positive feedback. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go to the second reading. <laughs> cool. You got to check it out. I, I I got a little distracted. Is John D'Amelio sending those images with words? Oh yeah. Oh, no, he's doing a great job. But all right, sorry. Oh, <laughs> Too back, much back, ministry back. going on at once. <laughs> focus, yeah, focus, squirrel, Father Ian. Squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> That's gonna be one. Focus, <laughs> Father Ian. All right. All right. Now let's go to the next. From, one. from the letter of Saint Paul to the Romans, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh. On the contrary, you are in the spirit. If only the spirit of God dwells in you. Whoever does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells, dwells in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through the, his spirit dwelling in you. Okay, so it's important. And yeah, usually, don't we all, when we all agree right now, it would be so much easier if we could just valiantly rush in and be like, I don't care about dying. Like, I don't care about dying. I can just rush in. I don't care about myself. The problem is right now, you're not the one who's going to die if you valiantly rush in, right? Like, if you're like my age or your age. Yeah. That's like the worst part about it. You're like, crap. Like, if I valiantly rush in, and like that little old lady in the parish dies. Yeah. And I was like, neg that's like. The fear of the fear of being responsible for someone else's suffering is pretty, is pretty real. Yeah. My but mom's going in. What'd you say, mom? Oh, we're not saying that on live. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't hear. So. I don't know. Um, but so. So I was going to say, I, I really linked this to, so people are really frustrated and upset, understandably, for not being able to give, get the sacrament of the Eucharist, for not being able to be present at, at Mass. Yeah. But to for this to be a reminder that through baptism, we have died and, and risen with Christ. And we have been given this indelible mark. And, we and through confirmation, we have been given the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't go away because we can't receive the Eucharist. And that is, so, that is a gift that we have that we need to rely on um, for, for ourselves to really be in the spirit and allow the spirit to work through us in this time that, we, that some of us just can't receive. Um, and you know, speaking from laity who can't and you who have to you know, pray the masses alone, um, you know, it's, it's just a different struggle. Uh, but but from the perspective of a lay person, that mm -hmm. that we have sacraments that make us strong, that allow the spirit to dwell in us, and that we have to remember that you know it's like remember, 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 like like God says to, to know, to know that this is real, that that baptism is important and real, confirmation is important and real, and if we've received them, then 
it makes a difference, you know, and to not forget that those are, those are really ways of great to bring grace into our lives on yeah. top of the Eucharist, which we, which we should also be longing for. But I'm just, I'm trying to bring hope to people who are really, really suffering in this moment, thinking that they are separated from God when they're not. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, I think, um, I think people have used the image of fasting. I know that's been an image that's been used. Um, trying to think, because it's tough because I got to find the words to speak to that because I hate to say this, I have not ever gone without the Eucharist. Now in 10 years where I'm not receiving it daily. And, and it's, I will say this, See, I don't know how to put this. I'm like, I'm wondering if I should talk about this, which probably means I will talk about it once I've said that. <laughs> but, um, you know, sometimes the challenge for a priest is there can be a certain tediousness to the Mass because you are, you, like, for example, after celebrating four Masses on Sunday and then turn around waking up at 5 in the morning to celebrate Mass at 7.15, because that's like my Monday through Tuesday, I've always known the importance of it. I've always kept that front and center. But you can't, like your emotions, just they, they speak to you, right? So you're, you're Monday morning, you're tired, you're like, I wish I didn't have to celebrate Mass right now, things like that. Or Mass number three, you're kind of like, you've given the same homily four times. You're kind of like, I, I kind of wish I could just sit back and relax a little bit. And what, what this has done for me, all this is, has renewed my vigor for celebrating the Mass even when I don't feel like it or when it's not comfortable. Um, I mean, I just, I had a situation just the other day. Um, what I'm thinking of doing in our parish, and I'm not sure if I'm going to do, how I'm going to do this yet. Um, we got to kind of work in steps is maybe some kind of lottery system where we, we let people come to mass like two at a time, something like that. And, um, and, but I had, I had a woman, older woman, who's one of our key volunteers. I let her come to our mass. She just asked me and I was like, if anybody in our mass, like if anybody in our parish I would want to give that gift of allowing her to come out and masses, be this person. And um, I felt so bad because she walked in the door and I'm in like my doing mode. Right. And I'm thinking about a million things. I'm like, Hey Mary, how's it going? What do you think of this? This is this. And she looks at me. She starts to cry. And she says, thank you for letting me come to mass. I was like, Oh, <laughs> I'm getting teary. I think about it. I was yeah. like, I was like, Oh, Oh man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank, um, thank you for being here. I'm yeah. sorry. I mean, you know, yeah. Just you can just go to mass. We can talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was just like it was just like that's. Um, uh, it will be interesting to see what happens when people start going to mass again. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, I look yeah. forward to it. <laughs> I look forward to it. Um, It'll, and yes, and it will it will be interesting, and I hope that you know we all go back with great fervor and reverence and love you know for for the liturgy and for one another yeah you know yeah and I, I should I probably should start thinking about this now that first mass back is going to be like Christmas <laughs> or maybe Easter or Easter I mean. <laughs> Uh, or Easter, sorry, Easter, but because yeah, we'll be in the Easter season, hopefully. Well, I mean, I mean, not like the actual celebration, but I mean, like the attendance, 
Right. <laughs> right. I know, I mean, but also maybe the celebration. I don't know. I'm holding, I told you this earlier, but I've definitely been praying for miraculous intervention. Yeah. Lord heal us all. Um, I think so. that's a good thing. That's a good thing to pray for. Um, that's awesome. And I, I, I should, I should add that. Um, okay, cool. Let's all get, right. let's, are we, we, have, we have a long, uh, we have, uh, Ryan says you look five years younger and Felix says, hello, I'm Felix from Kenya prayer request for my family. So a prayer for Felix's family. Has has coronavirus spread to Africa yet or Asia? Well, it's Asia, obviously. Yes, Asia. Uh, I'm not sure what Africa looks like right now. I haven't. I've okay. been trying to keep my information intake. It's been really hard. It's it's really hard to not scroll. Just say that. Yeah. So for the yeah. gospel, we're going to read that, a shorter reading. What's up? Absolutely. I was going to say that's an incredibly important lesson right now too. Is I was talking with somebody about this. I said. The problem right now with the internet is overload of information. That is, you could spend five hours researching everything about the coronavirus, and it might not help you at all, like in terms of your well-being. And that's like a challenge, I think, right now. The information overload. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So be mono- be monastic about that too. Only certain times, for Absolutely. a certain amount of time, for your own mental health. <clears throat> all right. Are you ready? Let's do it. It's a, lo- it's a long one, so bear with me. It's a, even the short version is a, is a long one. So bear with me. And uh, from the Gospel of John, the sisters of Lazarus went, sent word to Jesus saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, and he, he said, this illness is not the end in death, but it is for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha says, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. He became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. Jesus wept. So the, Jesus, so the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would have, would not have died? So Jesus perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha and the dead man's sister said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, 
I do not, did I not tell you that if before you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me. But because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in cloth. So Jesus said to them, untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done began to believe him. Okay, so that that was a long reading, and there's a longer one coming on Sunday, I'm sure. Oh, that's Uh, so interesting. There's so many fascinating things with what I've experienced the past week that are tied up with this. It's like I feel like I just heard it for the first time um, right then. Yeah. So what stuck out? What stuck out to you when when you were well, listening? Well, oh, the, there's the, the Jesus wet thing. I, we'll come back to that. I think it's incredibly important. The one thing I loved, I, I just realized about Jesus's leadership. So one of the things that that it's a trend right now. They talk about being transparent and being vulnerable. Um, you know, they talk about that a lot as a leader. And but you kind of assume when you hear that that if you do that, everybody's going to like pat you on the back and be like how wonderful you are kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But look at Jesus. He's transparent and he's vulnerable with what he's feeling and how he's perceiving things. And people challenge his authority. Like that's interesting, which I've had a lot of people, like I've just had some people challenging my authority the past week. And, and it's often because they use something I've said against me. And you think, and this is sometimes our leaders will say, oh, look, don't don't say what you're, what's going on. Put up a front. Pretend like everything's okay. That's not what Jesus does, but Jesus is in control. Like, he doesn't weep because he's not in control. He doesn't weep because he's falling apart. He just weeps. Like, yeah. and he's okay with that. And then, mm-hmm. and bam, he raises him from the dead. Like, he's boss. You know, he's... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and it, do you remember a few weeks ago I think we talked about the woman at the well and how the Lord really revealed to her who he was in in a very plain way. Do you remember when we were talking about yeah. that? Yeah. Well, in the in the longer reading he talks to Martha and part of the, what wasn't in this reading was he tells her that I am the resurrection and the life. But then she, she says, I believe that you are the son of man. Um, I wonder if this, I got to research. I've always wanted to research the idea of the scrutinies for Lent because these are the scrutinies, right? Like, um, and there's this sense of, I think the idea of the scrutiny is it's like a kind of question and answer, the Socratic method, that like Christ pulls the answer out of you. Um, and I think that's the idea of how to exercise demons, which gets at right now the importance of conversations and pro- processing things with people, right? Because, I mean, I've I found it incredibly important. So I recently, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give all the details, but there was a little bit of a, a, a tissy because I gave a very strongly worded, strong message to my team at Newman. And, and it was a very strong message, very demanding, because I was like, guys, we need to be prepared. And, and it wasn't the most nicest thing in the world. And then we had a lot of conversations where we were processing afterwards. And I was talking with leaders and they said, no, that's exactly what happens 
and you give a strong message. See, I never understood that before. You give a strong message or you inspire people, you motivate them or not, or you piss them off. And then you have to help them to process what you said. And, and you do that a lot. And they said, I mean, I, I was doing it. And then I asked them, and they said, that's exactly what you need to do. You do one-on-ones. So like, I mean, I think that's important to realize if you're a leader or whatever is if people are coming to you with their concerns and they're, they're mad at you or they're frustrated with you, helping them to process, like that's an okay thing. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I've done a lot of that lately. A lot. Like, I do a lot of my processing. A lot of my one-on-one conversations is with you. <laughs> and, um, and, and we just process <laughs> a lot of how we feel yeah. about what's going on with scripture. Um, but cause I don't have, a, you know, I just have, I have my husband who, who you know, but I don't have a, a real job and I'm in school. So I don't have a lot of like demands that are authoritative in, in a way that I would be able to even argue with face to face. So I don't, that's just not my life right now. I'm sure that will change in a few months uh, when school's over. Um, but, wow. but in this, I found it, it says, um, he says, I am the re- resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, the one who is coming into the world. So this is him revealing himself to her in a more plain way than he usually does to crowds, which is more in a, more of a parable. So. You think, I, I don't think this is the first time he might've talked to her about this. No, I, the, no this but is, it's just a, a reflection. Yeah. I think this is his early, his, this is his, his inner circle. And I think part of it is he's maybe even reminding her of what he's already taught her a little bit, or he's reminding her of, He's, he's confirming, do you believe this? Yeah. Like, and she says, yes, Lord, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the son of God. But yeah. she is the one who says the son, you know what I mean? Like, I just think it's beautiful that it's Martha because Martha gets such a bad rap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's and just she- like, she is the one who confirms her belief in him in this way. Um, yeah. And I just think that's beautiful. And it's, it's something for us, um, I guess, as lay women, to really hold on to, and and our belief is has power in in Christ too. You know what I mean? And to and to really yeah. work in the church in in a way that's proper. Yeah, and I think people who give people the the biblical characters or the biblical persons, um, and these accounts a hard time. They don't get it that most of the time, the exception of the Pharisees um, and the scribes, um, these are like the people that are like closest to Jesus. Peter, Martha, Mary, Lazarus. These are like his inner circle, his best friends. Martha and Mary are like, it seems like they're really close to Jesus. Um, and same with Lazarus. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and trying to understand that, that like, what does it mean to be close to Jesus? But that, I think also there must have been something about Jesus. Well, of course there's something about Jesus where that even when he is correcting, they're opening up to him and he's correcting them, but they trust in him. Like Right. Right. The, his correction isn't this kind of like the woman at the well. Like he is able to go into their dysfunction and shed light 
that it's that is healing yeah you know absolutely absolutely so that's crazy we're at a half hour and we've gone through all the readings i know i don't understand what's happening i don't understand how this because <laughs> normally we go off on a lot of tangents maybe <laughs> um, so but it's a long reading we can we can go we can go into to a different part of it yeah that's a good question i'm kind of like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you're like i'm exhausted it's been it's been a crazy a g- crazy week to say the least of of stuff um i almost i say we should maybe end it at 30 minutes and then we can we can talk i mean if we have a few more things if you can come up with some things to talk about but let's not like try to force it if that makes sense okay well i like that this the part where jesus prays to the father he raised his eyes and said father i thank you for hearing me i know that you always hear me but because of the crowd here i have said this that they may believe that you sent me and then he cries with a loud voice lazarus to come out but i really like the the importance on on showing that he is praying to the father in order to bring bring about this miracle i also like the part where they have to roll away the tomb like there's such a a foreshadowing of his own Mm -hmm. you know like entombment and like how the how the stone is rolled away at the at the resurrection like that um just those little things that that stand out to me but how important it is to pray and know no here's the the word again no to know to know that god hears us and to trust that he he will whatever it is in his will will be done for us and hopefully that we've discerned you know properly what to pray for so that you know mm-hmm. like the well, that, that, uh, exactly absolutely to be spared yeah. so i think also here's a question for you so this is a struggle i've had in the back of my mind on when i'm instructing people is i want to say to people prayer is primary and it is incredibly important but on the same hand if you have to set prayer aside for the sake of a mission, that's also important. And it's kind of a tension. And it's always a tension, but now more so than ever. Because like right now, for the next five weeks, if you're not praying on a regular basis, you're not renewing yourself, it's a little bit of a marathon, right? We might have to run for five or six weeks or more. So we have to be prepared for the long run. I'm thinking about this for myself. On the same hand, we need to be willing to not have the same kind of prayer life we had before Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on you a little bit. Yeah, sure. Just a little bit. Just push back. You know, I think that we need to double down on the prayer life because that we need to be active contemplatives. Yes, we need to act, but the more that we are grounded in prayer, the more that the Lord will make us fruitful. And that you know, uh, okay, somebody fact check me who this quote is from, but he somebody. Some one of the fathers, I think, said that if if you are busy, it um you should pray three thirty minutes a day, but if you're busy, you should pl- pray for an hour. That uh, you're uh, there's a version it's of that same term. President Lusso said to priests, you should do a holy hour every day. If you're busy, do two. Yeah. So, uh, so maybe somebody will fact check me on exactly well, who, who that was. Well, a lot. See, yeah, yes. A hundred percent. So I'm like, don't put prayer aside for a mission. Like, no. 
That's why I push it back. Well, depends. Depends. There's also the saints who say, if you have to set aside prayer to serve, serve the poor, that you're setting aside one good work for another. That's in the liturgy of the hours. It's like St. Francis de Sales or somebody like that. Well, it's um, also important to like make those actions pray during those actions. So I don't necessarily think prayer is only just sitting by yourself. So there's different ways of praying. So I guess we can go into the, you know, go into the woods with that. And, let, and let's, and let's also, let's also flesh this out a little bit. Let's talk yeah. about different roles. So I was talking with a doctor for a doctor who's concerned about his prayer life. And I said, I said to him, don't worry about it right now. Like, don't worry about it as much. Because right now, the doctors and all of them, they're going to be working 24 hours. They're going to be working long hours um, to try to prepare. I said, of course, you have to be grounded in prayer. But like right now, it's, it may not be what you want it to be. Now, if you're in a family situation, absolutely 100% double down on prayer, maybe increase it um, like families. I think it also – well, and it would depend a little bit. See, I think – I would also add a caveat. If you're if you're if you are not busy enough, if you're not too busy that you can watch television and movies, then you have enough time to pray, obviously. Right. Yeah. And I also like the like Mother Teresa, Saint Teresa of Calcutta, they had multiple times of prayer a day and yet they were extremely busy from serving the poor. Not not really. They don't work that many hours actually on a regular basis. Uh, the missionaries of charity. My sister was with them. She calculated when she was with them. They work about four to five hours a day with the poor. So that's what, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's a, and that's, that's in peacetime without a crisis. I think all religious orders would set aside a majority of their, but that's the thing is, is see religious orders pray for two to three hours a day. Um, when you calculate it for a diocesan priest, it's like an hour and a half to two hours a day. And there's also different orders who pray intently for those who are active. That but, too. But if before, okay, so that we're talking about in a crisis right now, but in, in preparation possibly after this for the next thing that we have to deal with, that if we're already, if we already have a schedule where we pray normally, that that I will mean, sustain us, especially even from regular burnout, that that's so important for us to do. And something that people don't want to hear. People don't want to hear that you need to pray more. They just don't want to hear it because they're told that, but then they're not taught. Yeah. And, and, they, and don't, they don't ask. And when you, if you, when you, and at a certain point, the way you learn to pray can become refreshing. So I, I mean, I prayed for like an hour, a half hour today, probably like an hour. I was just spending in meditation and it was just incredibly re- refreshing. Like, yeah, spending that time. Yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, I fell asleep during part of it too. That's part of the reason why I was refreshing. But <laughs> there's a thin line between contemplation and sleeping. <laughs> well, um, all right. I have um, two. I have two comments. Yeah, shoot. John Kirkham says instead of thoughts and prayers, try telling the church to dig deep and help the vast majority of this country who have or are about to be out of work due to the events beyond their control. Mm-hmm. Something you lot get bared. Bailed out when you need it. Try giving something back instead of religious ramblings of madmen. Well, I'm sorry that you feel that way, John. This is what we can. <laughs> this is what we can do. 
Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I should have pre-read that one before I read it out loud. <laughs> no, that's right. I mean, John, I mean, first of all, I mean, I would say to him, I feel like he's assuming a lot. I always love that, like when people assume a lot. And, um, well, I'd be glad to talk with you one-on-one for a second. If you shoot us, shoot us a direct message, I'd be glad to exchange a little bit. Um, but outside of that, I don't think we'll engage that one. Yeah. So it's next. Yeah. All right, Ryan Fisher. Let's go, go back yeah. to a something that we know is not a troll. All right. Do you think parishes and priests will continue to live stream their masses after this is over as a way to evangelize the unaffiliated and the nuns? Well, everybody's learning a lot about live streaming right now. So, I mean, there's definitely. He says his dad watched mass the other day for the first time in ages without this. He probably wouldn't have. I mean, I think it's, I think it's moving the church to somewhere where it needs to be, but. It, well, I, oh, yeah. I mean, don't want it to replace the need to actually be there. But to, yeah, to I, evangelize I mean, I is do- important. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I highly doubt that. But I mean, I think, but I mean, I know there's, I mean, like our cathedral is funny. Our cathedral was wired for a lot of things. And they're like, well, we didn't have the money to complete the job. There wasn't the need. Now there's the need. So let's, let's do it. You know I mean? Yeah. But, um, but um, I think, um I know my parents. My parents are concerned that the 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 uh, the virtual mass will replace the people in their minds. But I I I don't I don't think that's a, a founded concern. But I, think I, I think it's it's each person will have to get you know deal with that when it comes. I, I would I would I mean I hate to say this I hate to talk about like positives or whatever and be upbeat, but here it goes. Um, I do wonder if right now, like we're not even aware of it, but like all technology just like jumped up like a step, like, cause I mean, I think I suspect cause Facebook was having a lot of problems yesterday and maybe the day before I would not be surprised if like they've greatly improved Facebook and yeah. To handle um, all of the, all of the new traffic. Yeah. Yep. And I think that, I think there's probably a lot of stuff that's like improving very quickly. Um, yeah. very, very quickly. I mean, I, I know I've done a lot of upgrades on gear the past yeah. two weeks. And, and it might be better for people who are already homebound or will be actually homebound um, in the future to be able to attend their local mass live. You know, if they can't, act, you know, once we go back to mass, uh, what, public masses, um, that, that might bring comfort to them to be able to see their own parish priest live if they can't go. So we'll see. You know, and I think, I think also one of the takeaways for parishes was before, before, before coronavirus, it was widely known in the Catholic world that the Catholic church was 10 years behind on communication and technology that we just didn't communicate well. Like most parishes still rely on their bulletin and their announcements before mass. And so a lot of parishes, there's a lot of parishes, friends of mine, parishes didn't have a Facebook page, didn't have an Instagram, didn't have a Twitter, didn't even really have a functioning website, some Mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. And those are the parishes right now that are being hit the hardest because the people are feeling the most isolated. Right. And and I think- Our parish does really well. Our parish has a very good online presence. Good job, guys. (laughs) And and, and same with Greenville. And what I've seen it is it's really like parish to parish- and then just um, the, I mean, because we've been blessed in Greenville is that 
if anybody, anybody else is, if anybody in Greenville says that we're not there for them, the Catholic church isn't there for them. We'll be on the phone within an hour. We'll, 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 we'll reach out to that person as mm-hmm. soon as we know about it. I mean, we're, we're, we're scouring the internet. We're looking for those people. We're, we're trying to connect with people. We're, we're yeah. repeating over and over again, reach out. This is how you get a hold of us. But there's other places where they don't even have those communications established. How do you get that message out? Right. Yeah. What a, you, we were talking about something before. I don't remember if you said it yet. During the live stream, we were talking about something before about doing the going out and helping your, did you say that already? Going out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me talk about that a little bit more. So actually, well, tying it in with this theme. So one of the things that happened is, um, and I, I don't want to toot my own horn. I hate to, like, I'm the leader. So in a certain sense, I'm communicating a message that then influences <laughs> other people. But a lot of ways, it's influencing people who already kind of feel this way. So one of the big things of my message from last Sunday was, oh, yeah, and we talked about it with your sphere of influence is you need to right now think incredibly practical, incredibly local. Like, who is the one, two, three people that you can reach out to? And we talked about, I think the idea we talked about was you can have a sphere of, of like, inner contamination, maybe, like we might call it. Like, there's a group of people that you're okay sharing germs with, I guess. I, is that sounds kind of weird? <laughs> sounds kind of weird and kind of freaky. But, but it's kind of like, if you had, so for example, like, let's say you have your family. So within your family, if your kid coughs and comes over and runs over, you're not going to be like, whoa, go wash your hands. You're going to hug the kid, right? Or maybe you're going to tell them to wash. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but, um, but thinking maybe if, if families had a, a, a group of folks that they, were, that they were kind of safe with, like, and, and included in that was some elderly people or some people that are alone or whatever, that you can go over to their house and you can talk with them and you're not wearing a mask and you're not. Yeah. And even if, and even if it gets to the point where you have to isolate somewhat, you could still like, my idea was if, if we can't actually be really close to each other, but maybe they could be inside the house with their window open and you're outside the house and you're still communicating and you're still physically there. But, but those people know that you, you, you care and you go out of your way to, to do stuff or if they need to um, grocery shopping and they can't go out or they're immunocompromised or whatever. Or you sit in the backyard or something or you yeah. sit outside. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so yeah. just, just ways to think outside the box to serve others um, is good. I mean, within, I, within, within the law, law, which seems to be changing <laughs> rapidly. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, you know, Use, I don't think, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think you're ever going to get arrested for walking two houses down or three houses down. Yeah. I'm like, we'll see. And if it gets to that point, maybe, maybe form a tunnel in your backyard. Oh, jeez. Sure. Sorry, just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, but this actually, I would say there's, there's going to come a point where the cure is worse than the disease for some people. Like, I mean, an elderly person despairing and depressed and, but they're still alive is that really better than, than dying surrounded by your family? Like, yeah, but they won't die surrounded by their family. People are dying alone. Which is, I think, even worse in some yeah. cases. Yeah, and that's really yeah. either alone in the hospital or alone in I, isolation. Uh, pardon me, almost like wants to like, 
form a group of people that just intentionally get the disease uh-huh. like in their 20s and they just live by themselves and they just they spend time with people because they're like like that are dying or something from the disease i don't yeah. know I, necessarily yeah. but i mean because yeah. you want because you want to be able to love them and that yeah. seems like one of the ways a but, friend of mine who works works for in a, a government agency is like part of me just wants to get the disease and get it over with, you know, so that he can just be quarantined for five weeks and then be back in action. Yeah. um, It's, but that's, it's definitely a huge unknown of how, yeah. It's a huge unknown of how things will go forward from here. Just keep praying for divine, you know, intervention. And I mean, the the big struggle for me is also, I'm just like worried. I I don't know how to put it. It's like, if I'm going to be out of action, like I would just, I would hate that I do something stupid and then bam, I cause if I'm living by myself, I'm going to have food. I'm going to have the mass. I, you know, I'm going to be fine. Like, but, but then I'm like really messing it up for a lot of people. It's like, Oh, that's kind of tough. And we did go to the full hour, by the way. Yeah. We, See, I told you we could, floor. we can talk. we can fill it up so ryan has a has a prayer request yeah shoot he says if you can pray for those i came across came into contact with in nicaragua the munoz family the missionaries at amigos for christ and those i went with from a church in iowa and pray for john the first commenter john the what john the commenter who was not happy about i will pray for john being religious let's go let me follow some Holy Spirit in them. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray for John. Uh, we pray for the Munoz family, for Ryan, for the church from Iowa, for uh, the, the missionary group that he mentioned. We also pray for all those who are struggling with isolation and loneliness, for those who have the care of the common good, for our clergy, for our first responders, for our medical staff, and for our government leaders. We ask you to bless all who will watch or listen, and follow Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, everyone. So take me to the fountain I seek It's welling up, it's welling up in me Me I feel silly trying to make up prayers myself. My mind starts to wander as I'm speaking to God. I just don't have time to pray. Do you recognize yourself in any of these statements? If so, we have a book for you. In Pray Fully, best-selling authors Michelle Fanley and Emily Jaminet share the rewards and frustrations of their own prayer journeys to create a practical guide that combines testimonies, tips, and journaling space to help you spend quality time with God. Whether you want to learn how to pray aloud in a group or stop your mind from wandering during prayer, Fanley and Jaminet have practical advice and the real-life experience to help you overcome obstacles to everyday prayer. 
head over to AveMariaPress.com and use code LEARN2PRAY. That's LEARN, the number 2, PRAY, to get 20% off your copy today. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small-batch artisan coffee using top-tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic-themed coffees, available at www.grimbeancoffee.com forward slash Redbox Media. Experience coffee like never before. 